B98.5's Tide and Direct Show podcast. Helping you catch up on what you missed. It's Tad and Drex's Info to Go on B98.5. Sponsored by Breda Pest Management. They handle bugs and critters. 524. Cooler today. 62. Up to 70 tomorrow. What's going on, Kara? They've been saying it over and over again. We need to ramp up testing. There needs to be more testing. Well, finally, beginning today... It is happening. Anybody who has symptoms will be able to get tested at one of the Georgia Department of Health drive through sites. Now, you can't just show up, though. You still have to have a referral and an appointment time. So you can get those by calling your local health department or you can get one from your health care provider. What you have to do is get a PUI number. That's person under investigation. I'm guessing that's how they'll they're able to track if you are positive how you're doing, what's happening with your case, and to make sure that they know kind of where the spread is going. Uh, a question that I want to ask uh, Dr. Del Rio, who is the infectious disease professor at Emory, and we're going to talk to him later today, is let's say, you know, Ted, you go get tested tomorrow and it, it pops up negative. Well, what happens in like two weeks when maybe you do come in contact with somebody? Mm. That's my fear is that someone's going to get tested and be like, nah, I'm, good, I'm good, and then go out and get it. All right, so you remember Ben King in Texas? Yes, sir. He's yeah. talking about how, you know, his kids have been away. Mm-hmm. He had it. His wife didn't have it. Yeah. She has she got, it. Yeah. <gasps> I just Aww. saw she posted on Facebook how frustrated she is because now they have to go another two weeks without their kids. Oh, man. And she's going through it now. So very good point. Yeah. Like, and you don't, right? You Ugh. don't know. You can't control it. Terrible. We need a good story, yeah? yeah. Let's do that. So we've seen a lot of companies lately switching gears, not only just to kind of stay afloat and be able to pay their employees, but also to help fabricate some much needed medical equipment that there's just a crazy shortage of. And West Georgia Cornhole is no different. They've gone from making their cornhole boards to making facial shields for medical workers. Um, Owner Brandon Greba had a friend that was in the medical community saying that they had a huge shortage of these things and Brandon and his company just happened to have the cool equipment available that could cut the plastic and everything needed to make these facial shields. And he went to work and he said his uh, employees were pretty jazzed about it. We're retooling on these masks. So the guys kind of got excited about the masks and stuff to help out, you know, the cause and everything and try to try to end this. So they jumped on board and kind of proud of that, too. So it's been fun. (laughs) It's very cool. But I hear that story and I go, who decides you know what we need to do is start a cornhole making company. Like well, I mean, they have to exist. Somebody has to do it along the way. But and I love I love that conversation I probably hand, had with Brandon and some of his buddies, where you know they were probably uh, drinking on a driveway somewhere, wearing their white polo shirts with their khakis and you know their Braves hat. Uh-huh. And they all went to UGA. Right, you know, their little bro, little Georgia Atlanta bro. They probably live in Brookhaven. We need a we need a cornhole company, but what should we call it? West Georgia Cornhole. No, I would go back further than that. Okay. So the boys they're playing uh they're playing cornhole, talking about the inferior cornhole boards that they're playing. Yeah, with, of course. How much cooler they could uh do it. I mean, we're talking about a board with a hole in it, <laughs> but they were like, you know, there's something about this board yeah. not good enough. We can make it better. Ted, and we will own the cornhole market. 
do you feel like maybe we're talking crap about them because we're secretly jealous? Because they get to drink beer and play cornhole all yeah, day at job, work? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> She's in the know about everything happening in pop culture. Can you beat her? It's Are You Smarter Than Kara on B98.5. Hey, Patricia and Dunwoody. Hi. Hi. Could you please kick Kara out of the studio for us? Okay, Kara. Go on and get out. I'm out of here, Patricia. Good luck. Thank you. We're going to ask you five pop culture questions. If you answer more right than Kara, she will pay you $100 of her money. If she answers more right than you, she wins. All ties go to the house. Are you ready for question one? I'm ready. All right. Kanye West said he's voting for Donald Trump this year. What's the name of Kanye's first child? Uh, uh, Northwest. Number two, Kristen Davis will host a dating show where a woman tries to find a sugar daddy. She played Charlotte for six seasons on what show? Uh, Sex and the City. Number three, Jeff Bezos lost $36 billion in his divorce settlement last year. But don't worry, he's already made that money back. Imagine. He owns what e-retailer? Oh, uh, Amazon. Question number four. Actor Danny Trejo is feeding L.A. hospital workers from his Mexican restaurant. What's the name of the taco enchilada lunch combo most Mexican restaurants serve? Uh, I'm, I guess, a, I guess, what, a taco and enchiladas, chicken? You like, it's a I number five. Yeah, it's got a name to it. It's usually the number one. You don't have an answer? Taco and enchiladas. It's a lunch combo. I don't oh, blame you for it. Tacos. It's the lunch combo. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Finally, number five, Reese Witherspoon's fashion brand website crashed after she offered free dresses to teachers. What's the name of Reese Witherspoon's brand? Oh, God. I have no idea. Uh, she's not Goop, but I'll go with Goop. <laughs> Let's bring Kara back in. I like the, like the guests. The effort was, was well worth it. Patricia and Dunwoody getting three right, but those last two are really, really tough. I'd be surprised if Kara gets those as well. All right, same questions. Number one, Kanye West said he's going to be voting for Donald Trump this year. What's the name of Kanye's first child? North. That's what Patricia said. It's one-to-one. Number two, Kristen Davis will host a dating show where a woman tries to find sugar daddy. She played Charlotte for six seasons on what show? Sex in the City. If you want to see that show live, just go to the bar at Howes and Buckhead. <laughs> uh, that's what Patricia said is two-to-two. Number three, Jeff Bezos <laughs> lost $36 billion dollars in his divorce settlement last year. But don't worry, he's already made that money back. He owns what e-retailer? Amazon. Yeah, doing pretty well right now. That's what Patricia said, <laughs> three to three. Number four, actor Danny Trejo is feeding L.A. hospital workers from his Mexican restaurant. What's the name of the taco enchilada lunch combo most Mexican restaurants serve? Speedy Gonzalez? Is the right answer. What? How about, that's one of my favorite questions I've ever written, by the way. I've Kara. never heard of the Speedy Gonzalez. Oh, my God. I would say 90% of uh, Mexican restaurants have the Speedy Gonzalez. Patricia didn't have an answer. You're up four to three, I... Kara. <laughs> That's all right, Patricia. You're with me, right? We can answer <laughs> questions about I salads. Know it. <laughs> and, uh, number five, Reese Witherspoon's fashion brand website crashed after she offered free dresses to teachers. What's the name of her brand? I believe it's Draper James. How did you Jeez. know that, Kara? Impressive. Uh, that is the right answer. Patricia said, goop. That's just a good guess. Final score is five to three. Patricia and Dunwoody, are you smarter than Kara? 
I guess not. <laughs> not today. That was a clinic, Kara. 750 wins and just 25 losses. Sorry, Patricia. It's okay. <laughs> B98.5, 80s, 90s, and now. Good morning. It uh, What day is it? Oh, is gosh. It a thir- Thursday. Today is Thursday. I was yes. listening to the uh, gentleman, Chris, that comes on this radio station from 2 to 7. He goes, Gentleman. Yeah, he is a gentleman. He goes, uh, Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's uh, Wednesday. That's pasta night in my house. That was, it's all he said. <laughs> that's all he said. That's all he said. Yeah. Well, okay. Prince Spaghetti Day, yeah. isn't it Wednesday? Yeah. I mean, that gentleman is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think college kids are doing right now? Imagine Zooming with their friends, meeting up at parks, drinking beer two feet from each other, right? Right now, they're still sleeping oh, or just right, going to right, bed right. from the night before. We have a college kid that lives down the street, and I was talking to his dad the other day. He's like, yeah, my son gets up at one yep. thirty in oh, the yeah. afternoon. Must be nice. So that's what we imagine college kids are doing right now, but not Jenny Zhang and her friends. They started a nonprofit organization, right? Jenny's on the phone with us right now. Tell us about Feed the Front Lines. We are a network of like college and medical school students. One of our director's friends started a similar chapter in New York, and we kind of went off of that and just kind of got it going from there. So Feed the Front Lines, you guys collect money, and you do you give gift cards to people on the front lines? Um, so we get community donations, and we actually use that money and our Coordinators or volunteers will reach out to local restaurants and set up deliveries for um, a certain time to certain hospitals. So we are actually directly purchasing meals from locally owned restaurants and then just getting that coordinated to go to the hospitals. You're in medical school. Did you graduate or where's your progress right now? I am still an undergrad at UGA. I'm finishing up my senior year. Um, so go dogs. But, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it make you nervous though to think, I mean, if you're going to go to medical school and become a medical professional, does it make you nervous with everything that you're hearing? I'm sure your parents are like, don't do it. <laughs> yes and no. I think part of me feels almost more motivated to do it because I've been seeing all these healthcare professionals really band together and, um, garner a lot of community support. I think my parents definitely do recognize the risk more now. But, you know, I'm also studying public health at UGA. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, remember when you asked me what public health was? <laughs> well, we got it. <laughs> we are talking to Jenny Zhang from Feed the Frontlines, Georgia, a group of college students trying to get food in the mouths of healthcare workers and people working on the front lines. And Jenny, how do we get money to you? How do we help you? So the community can support us by donating directly to us on our GoFundMe or on our Venmo. Um, you can get all of that information at feedthefrontlinesga.org. And yeah, just you know, support us by buying a meal for your healthcare workers. I gotta say, young people get a bad rap, usually from me. <laughs> because really? I always, yes, I always stand in judgment. Are they progressing as much as I was progressed at that age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> However, I'm very impressed with you and your friends. Thank you so much. I know that means a lot to you. It must mean yeah, so no, much. Yeah, no, I'm going <laughs> to type that out, plaque it, put it please, on my wall. Please. <laughs> She's like, yeah, shut up, old man, and pay my student loans. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, boomer. <laughs> I feel you. And by the way, oh it's gosh. an Xer at least. Give me a little break. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, great job. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing, and you're just awesome. Good luck, and with I mean, you're not even going to graduate, right? Yeah, right. Just do a graduation over Zoom. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how that's all going to work out yet, but hopefully, I'll still get my diploma. <laughs> Weren't they going to do graduation in like inside? Minecraft? Yeah, I was going to say the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I did see someone build the UGA campus on Minecraft or something like that, and I was like, oh, interesting. We got too much time on our hands now. <laughs> I know, right? At least you're using your time to do something good. <laughs> yes. All right, Jenny. Thank you again. We'll try to get you some help, okay? Thank you so much. Have a good one. Again, if you want to help these kids out, feed the front lines, GA. Dot org, 98.5, 80s, 90s, and now Dr. Carlos Del Rio on the phone with us from Emory University as he joins us twice every week. Tuesday mornings live at 7 o'clock, Thursday mornings live at 8 o'clock. He's like our, he's Georgia's Dr. Fauci. Indeed he is. First question, Kara. Dr. Del Rio, I know they're t- uh, stepping up the testing like everybody's been calling for, but because they've had to kind of get these tests together so quickly, is there some fear that maybe they're throwing out some like false positives or false negatives? Uh, there's, you know, there's always uh, that concern. There's always that fear. The uh, 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 No test is perfect. Uh, and we need to realize that that uh, that any test has false positives and false negatives, mm-hmm. and you worry the most about the false negatives in a test like this because you could potentially just because you're negative, it doesn't mean you don't have it. And we need to understand also the antibody tests that are being developed. Some antibody tests may be better than others, and we need to really look at them because you know a test is not a test is not a test. So really understanding the testing is going to be really important. And you guys are running some trials, some human trials over at Emory that I guess you were talking about this morning. Oh uh, yes, we, we 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 are. Uh, you know, Emory is a research university, and we are fortunate to be uh, leading in in the area of infectious disease research. We're probably one of the best, if not if not the best, in the country in infectious disease research. We have a wonderful vaccine center. So we really do the research all the way from the very basic research to the clinical. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Our basic scientists working with the virus in the, in the lab develop a, an, an antibody test against a specific part of the virus that is very important. And that test was then taken by our clinicians and our clinical researchers and turned into our tests that are now being used clinically uh, to, to test people for antibodies against covid and that's called what we call a laboratory developed test. So, you know, you don't buy it commercially, you develop it in-house. But this Emory developed test, I think it's a good example of how you take your research and, and bring it over to the patients, bring it over to the bedside. We're also doing research in treatment, and one of the most promising drugs from Desivir is being tested at Emory. And we're also going to be doing multiple, we're doing already multiple other studies, including with hydrochloroquine and with other immunomodulators like betalusumab and others. And finally, we are one of the two sites in the entire world which is doing the initial phase one study with the very promising vaccine from Moderna Pharmaceuticals that is being tested through the NIH clinical clinical uh, vaccine treatment and evaluation units. So, so Emory is really a, a, a prime place for research and we're very honored to be contributing to, you know, again, it's going to be through research that we develop treatments and we develop a vaccine and we eventually conquer this disease. And is there a race between Emory and other universities? Does, do you get a bonus if you're the first one that gets the vaccine? 
You know, research is always competitive. It's a competitive sport, and, and we all get our juices going. You know, you want to get that research started up and running really quickly. You want to enroll patients. You want to you be the first, and you want to be the one that is making the contributions, but also it's a team sport. So it's a little bit, think about, you know, football or any of your team sports. You know, if the team is working together, we're working together, but you still have the most value, and you still have, you know, the, the superstar, and you want to be there. So I think it's a combination of, of individual pride with team sport. And at this point in time, I think a lot of those, of a lot of us in infectious disease, I think more than ever, researchers are working in a team sport. I mean, we, we're on the phone all the time. We're talking about initiatives. We're talking about ways to collaborate together. And we're trying to see how working together we can get to the, to the cure and the solution to the disease much faster than if we do it on our own. Hey, listen, Americans have been dying for sports on television. Would you mind being televised? Your work, we can cheer you on from home. <laughs> It could be fun, right? I mean, this could be. I mean, people. This is a. This is a, a very exciting team sport. And I think we need to figure out how to, how to, uh, how to get people excited about about this this research. This is a race to find, a race to find a cure and a vaccine for this disease. And you have some of the brightest minds in the world working on it. America's got vaccines. Yeah, I can see it now. Um, <laughs> there you, know, you go. Talk to Del Rio. You, you talk about testing, and uh, it's expected today that the president's going to unveil uh, these plans on how to open up the economy kind of piece by piece. And one of those pieces is um, ramping up testing, getting testing. Um, so the two-part question is, do we have the availability? Like, can people go get tested? How are they going to ramp up testing? And then what is the importance of everyone getting tested? Well, I think ramping up testing is something that is happening, but it needs to even happen more. And again, you know, we can do it. It just is going to take some time. Part of it right now is really a throughput issue. I'll give you an example from here uh, where I am at Grady. Uh, you know, we have testing. We're doing it. But we have a machine that runs, you know, 80 tests, 90 tests every every eight hours. So you can run basically three cycles, right? In a 24-hour period, mm-hmm. you can run three cycles of 90 tests. That's 270 tests. So can we do 500 tests? Sure we can, but we need another machine, right? Because mm-hmm. the machine capability is 270. And therefore, you need to order another machine. And it takes a while to get the new machine in and to plug it and to test it and to make sure it's running correctly. So that ramping up is exactly what that means. In other words, we're taking our current capability and we're ramping it up. I think a little bit like in the war when we started building planes and, and tanks and other things. You, you look where you start and then you start ramping up to really do more and more. And eventually you get to where you need to be. But the testing is going to be critical but it's not sufficient. You have to test people. You have to get the results to them right away. And then you have to get them isolated and you have to get them to investigate their contacts right away. Because this virus spreads so quickly that if you wait three, four, five days to get the results to the individual and to get that individual isolated, there's already been, you know, 15, 20 people infected during those five days. So we need to figure out a way to get the results to people literally immediately. So is that how we can maybe start to think about reopening the country, is getting people tested, finding out if they're positive, and then immediately getting them into isolation? Exactly. Okay. And, and getting their contacts also controlled. So in other words, controlling little outbreaks like that is going to be critical. Okay. And I think part of it, you know, it's going to be also, I think we're going to still continue to have to wear masks for a while, and I think we're still going to have to do a lot of social distancing. You know, we're going to have to limit some big events, and at least for some time until we have a vaccine. But again, I think this is doable. I think this is so doable. The American people have done an incredible job limiting the spread of this disease. My question is about the CDC director uh, who says that he's warning that we might see a resurgence next year and just kind of like the regular flu. So I wanted to know how this virus is different than any other 
virus? Like, have we decided that we should be more scared of this outbreak than we have any other year? I would always be scared of viruses. I, I, I think that, you know, the flu is scary. This little monster is 10 times scarier than the flu, right? Oh, wow. it's, it's more transmissible. It's more lethal. So this is the flu on steroids. So, yes, we need to be scared, scared. But I think more importantly, we need to be respectful and we need to take it seriously. You know, Dr. Redfield says we may see a resurgence. Yes, we may. You know, we may also see multiple other things. I don't want to worry that much about the future. I want to worry about the present. I want to get over this episode right now and then and then see what we need to do. But the reality is, even if we have a resurgence, the resurgence is not going to be what we're seeing right now. The resurgence is going to be different because we're going to have testing. We're going to have things that we currently don't have. So, again, think about think about the resurgence as as yes, it's going to happen, but it's not going to be the same. And I think we need to don't panic as a result of this. We need to to be strategic. We need to plan. We need to get prepared. I think, you know, we're going to be more prepared next time. So it's going to be less impactful. But it's going to, is it going to happen? Very likely. Uh, you talked about it being 10 times more lethal or strong than the regular flu. And Drex, you had asked a question about the uh, the lab, whether or not this was developed oh, in a lab, right? Yeah, so uh, Dr. Del Rio, there's uh, articles now floating around that in Wuhan, like, this virus was created just to see if they could create it. And I'm not going to ask you whether, you know, there's, like, a conspiracy theory or anything like that. But the question is, can, it, does a lab have a, an ability to create a virus like this? It could be, but the reality is the best lab out there, it's called nature. Yeah, and okay. nature has the ability to recombinate and to create very, very aggressive virus. We don't need a lab. The lab out there is called nature. And the reality is this viruses live in animals, live in, in, and I think our way of doing things, I think if you can say one thing about what caused this outbreak and what needs to be looked at is the so-called wet markets in China. These are places where, you know, animals and bats and other things live together, come together, get close to humans. And it's at those places that you can see the recombination of viruses, and then you can see those viruses jump into humans. And the reality is, is that is how a lot of these infections are happening. We as humans, you know, have impinged to the ecosystem, and this is causing a lot of the outbreaks we're seeing. So it's the lab is called nature. Right, Dr. Del Rio, just to wrap up, we have a question from one of our junior listeners, okay? Okay. Hey, Dr. Del Rio, what's the definition of social distancing? Because my daddy thinks it's taking a nap and then sitting on the driveway and drinking beer with our neighbors. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where this little girl would get that idea, but uh, is she wrong? She or? sounds familiar. Yes, very. Well, I think, I think about social distancing, and maybe we need to change the term to something called physical distancing, right? I think we still need to be socially engaged. We still need to talk to each other. We should not be socially isolated, but we need to have physical distance, which means, you know, that six feet distance between me and the next person. So I could be potentially at my porch talking to my neighbor, but let's be sure we're six feet or more apart. And, you know, we talk to each other and we're six or seven feet apart and we can still be, you know, enjoying ourselves being together, but not being close to each other, being physically distant. And I think that physical distance is critically important in controlling viruses like this one. And to that young lady, I would say, don't worry, Child Protective Services will be over later. <laughs> Dr. Del Rio, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to talking to you again soon. As always, have a good weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.